You're listening to Wholesaling Inc. episode number 1114. So on that drive for dollars, you picked up the phone and called that owner? Mm-hmm. Yep. Just, just picked call. up the phone. Just made a quick call, had yep. a good conversation with him, and made $54,000? Yes, sir. Okay. This is game-changing information guaranteed to raise your real estate wholesaling business with actionable steps you can take immediately to navigate the ins and outs of wholesaling and start making money today. Join us as we put our guests in the hot seat and dive deep to dissect their strategies for success to enable you to duplicate their results. You're listening to Wholesaling Inc., the only show dedicated to making you a fortune in wholesaling. Welcome to the Wholesaling Inc. podcast. I'm your host, Brent Daniels, Mr. TTP, Mr. Talk to People. And imagine this. Imagine you are eight years old, you don't speak English, and you move to the United States. All right. You move in with your parents and you're living there and you're learning the language. People are kind of picking on you because you don't know the language and you've got an accent, but you work on it and you work on it and you work on it. And inside you, you have that fire to be an entrepreneur. You do jobs here and there. You work in an auto shop. You work here. You work there. You're just doing what you can to get by and provide for the family and for yourself. And then boom, wholesaling real estate smacks you in the face. And all of a sudden, your life changes. That is the story of this podcast interview. This conversation is going to absolutely blow your mind and inspire you on such deep levels. It is my pleasure to introduce to the podcast, Salim Usman. Salim, how are you? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Thank you. Thank you for this opportunity. I can't wait to share my story. What an incredible journey you have been on. You have found real estate you're on fire this year. It took you a little bit of time. So before we get into the DeLorean and go back in time, let's talk about the last three years because you discovered wholesaling in 2019. Mm-hmm. How did you find it? And why not do some other strategy besides wholesaling? Why wholesaling specifically? Uh, I think I watched a YouTube video on The Breakfast Club and the guy was Mark Wynn. He lives in Baltimore and I live mm-hmm. in Rockville. So that's the same state, 30 minute, 40 minute drive. And then when he said he could do it with no cash, no experience, I was like, I got all that. So might as well check into that. And then I did that. And then I went. And then I think the first event was um, wholesaling live, I think, in Texas. Yeah. That got me into the intro. And then from there, you know, that's how I got here. I love it. And before that, why were you thinking about finding, I, I just want to find an investment vehicle that I can grow in? Or was it, I want to start a business? Which business should I start? Right. So, I mean, to the reason why I guess I got into it is I basically I was late. I did my first year of college. And then I remember it was August going into my second year. I was just lazy. I didn't want to go to for classes or I didn't even sign up. So it was too late. So I was like, I might as well make some money. And then that kind of got me wrong. But I was always an entrepreneur. I didn't do that well in school. I was always trying to make money. I flipped sneakers before. I've done a lot to make money outside of like, you know, going to school and stuff. So it was always in me, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Were you reading books on it? Were you just watching YouTube videos? Were you finding it on Instagram? Like, what were you doing to like feed your mind and and find which path you wanted to go down? Right. I know this might sound, I guess, corny because everybody says it, but the first book that I read was uh, Kiyosaki. So, yeah, once you read that, I feel like you can't be a normal person. Right. Yeah. So that just got me into like investing. Oh, I can make more money by, you know, like the smart dad, the rich dad versus the poor dad. I was like, this is crazy. So that got me into the thinking. And then once you're on that train, you're just going. 
Well, you, and you got on that train, but yep. it was 2019. Not much happened. Yep. 2020. Not much happened. Yep. 2021. You, you start building some momentum. Yeah. So was it just that you were pulled in other directions from other responsibilities or other interests that you had that you couldn't focus 100% on real estate? For sure. Especially 2019. That was the year that I, you know, went, I quit my job to do real estate and other stuff. But while doing that, I was also doing like stocks. I was uh, flipping clothes. I was flipping like uh, electronics. I was doing too many things at once. And they say when you chase two rabbits, you don't really catch nothing. Right. So it was just, I was being pulled everywhere. How similar do you feel it is flipping real estate contracts, wholesaling mm-hmm. versus flipping clothes and shoes and electronics? Actually, now that I think about it, it's kind of the same thing because you're looking for discounted things. You're looking for discounted things and you're looking for like big brands like Nike, Apple. Those can re- resell pretty well. So it is kind of the same thing. You're just now on a bigger bus and that bus just wor- is worth more. So. Thank God yeah, I started with that. Th- this is a public service announcement to anybody that is flipping anything right now, whether it be shoes or cars or electronics or whatever it is, you have such great experience that you can apply to this business, to this industry of real estate. I mean, it's really the same thing. Listen, there are people that have a stressful situation. They are in distress. And what whatever it is, they want to either get some money right now for something else that they want, or they just want to get rid of, you know, something that's kind of like on their shoulders, right? Responsibility that's on their shoulders. And if you are there and you talk to enough people, you're going to find discounts on all those things. So why not go for the biggest, most expensive thing in the United States, which is real estate? Exactly. Why not go for the big, the big toy versus trying to catch these little toys? That's right. You know what I mean? I love it. I love the mentality. That's great. So you moved here when you were eight. Where'd you move from? Uh, Ethiopia. Ethiopia. Why'd you come to the United States? Uh, I guess, you know, the typical story, better opportunity. But my dad came here first and then he got, you know, situated a little bit and then he brought us over. So, I mean, it's everybody knows, you know, it's it's a poor country. It's not a lot of opportunity. And that's actually one of the things I, I want to do in the future is like we have a lot of young people, but no jobs. Mm. So that's like a lot of energy, a lot of talent that's being wasted. You know what I mean? So that's one of the reasons I guess we came over as better opportunity. I mean, in America, this is what the land of the dreams, freedom, what they call it. Yep. Opportunity, land of opportunity. That's right. You can literally start from zero and make yourself a millionaire. So you can't do that anywhere else. Do you think that people could wholesale from Ethiopia? Potentially. Because I mean, David in our Rhino tribe does it from Nigeria. Would there be any restrict, you know, restrictions from people? I mean, besides obviously, you know, the ability to communicate effectively, but if they know English and they can speak and have some skills when it comes to negotiating and uh, pre-qualifying and and doing their lead follow-up, what would stop them? That's a great idea. I might write that down. That's actually. I mean, you 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 might take the whole thing over there. Yeah. You know what I mean? Exactly. That would be incredible. The only thing I would say is maybe internet, but as long as they can speak English, they understand and there's good internet. I mean, you're right. There's really nothing you can stop. And um, I think somebody from our tribe too is from Israel too, right? Doing it. Yep. So, I mean, that's oh, we got a lot. In, we got a lot in Israel. We've got a Germany, yeah. we've got Belgium, we've got Australia, we've yep. got 
Uh, yeah, Nigeria. I mean, absolutely. I mean, you could do it from anywhere. So anybody that's watching this that somehow has come into our world, uh, stumbled into our world, you can do this. You can do this anywhere. I mean, we have people that are doing it across the world. And I would love to see some people from Ethiopia get into this business. So yes, uh, reach out to Salim and we'll give you all his contact information later. And he can uh, really connect you with uh, all the right resources and, and scripts and tools and everything. So um, amazing. So where are you doing business? Salim. Right now I'm in the DMV. I currently live in the state of Maryland. Yep. And uh, most of my deals are in the District of Columbia, our nation's capital, and in Maryland. Awesome. So, and now are these are these higher price properties? Because some of those, I mean, some of DC and Maryland, uh, the property prices are really high. I mean, we're talking, you know, seven hundred thousand dollar average median sale price in some areas. We're we talking those. We're we talking lower price properties. Definitely lower. I mean, you know, I stick to the game plan that you said of stay below 350, I think. Yep. 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 That's where I stay at. And uh, you want to go there because there's more opportunities. It's a numbers game. As far as here, especially where, where I live in Montgomery County, it's a lot of nicer homes. And when people want to sell, they usually just go with an agent. So you're not going to find a lot of opportunities. So you got to go to the lower markets, the lower priced ARV markets, if that makes sense. Yeah. And the reason I like... I like that advice is there's a lot more buyers. There's a lot more cash buyers that are, have the ability and the capital to be able to invest into those neighborhoods. And you're right. You know, once you get into the nicer neighborhoods, for the most part, uh, people have the income to be able to update it and keep them looking great. And, or they've got a waiting list of people trying to get into those neighborhoods, uh, into those school districts. So let's bring up you know, some of the lower price communities and, uh, and do something special there. And I love that. That's great. So, um, yep. one thing people don't know is you're making six figures this year and you're living with your parents. Yeah. Why? An announcement to all the ladies. They live with me. Oh, okay. Got it. <laughs> Got it. There you go. Yeah. I mean, you know, I always live with my parents and it's like, when you're making money, it's really hard not to buy things. I'll tell you that. It's crazy. Once you start making real money, it's like everything, things that you don't even need. You're just like, I can. So should yep. I? You know what I mean? So it's like, I always try to listen to your podcast of staying lean. You got to stay yep. lean. If you didn't buy it before, you don't need it now. It's um, incredible. Well, what that comes down to, and they a lot of psychologists talk about this, is your financial thermostat. Right. You know, what is your financial thermostat? A lot of people that that grew up with not a lot of resources, not a lot of income coming into the family, a lot of month to month, anything over three thousand dollars is like so much that yep. they get uncomfortable, then they they go and start spending it. And and as business owners, we're like the worst at it, right? Because yep. then we start hiring people too soon and we start buying new tools and we start, you know, getting into other, you know, programs that distract us from what's actually making us income. And so it's really Really, really, really important to work on the subconscious of keeping the money, invest in assets, keeping the money, invest in assets. And it yep. takes a long time for a lot of people because they get uncomfortable having a lot of money just sitting in an account or in an investment account and not going out and spending it. So how do you not go out and spend it? How do you have such a strong financial thermostat? I think it's a lot of self-development because one thing I've learned about this business, tell me if you agree with me. I would say it's 90%, if not more, mindset. Yep. There's really not too much that you need to learn or it's not like, I mean, you could learn it, I would say in a month, everything you need to do, but it's like, do you have the mentality of keep going, consistency, hard work, 
And then once you do get the money, act like you don't have the money. Mm-hmm. You know, I always write down with one of a thing you always say it's you got to start every day at zero. That's right. So tomorrow I have zero. So if you start at that mindset, you can make a lot more and save a lot more too. Well, it keeps you hungry. And what you're touching on, I love it, is the personal responsibility. And I watched this incredible uh, TikTok uh, last night that Tony Robbins had from years ago. And he talks about blame, people mm-hmm. blaming you know, other people. Or, but most of the time, people blame circumstances or the economy or their upbringing or something else, right? The blame is always there and it's never personal responsibility. When you let go of the blame and and understand that it's all on you, that goes back to that 90% of this is mental. Yes, 90% of it is your responsibility to go out there and take action every day and make a difference and provide value to the community. And if you understand that and you're not blaming things on interest rates or inflation or whatever else, then you can stay focused and keep your energies high for this business and go out there and find the those incredible, those incredible opportunities. So you're a hundred percent right. And one thing I want to add, I think you listened to this podcast, right? As soon as it came out, because I think you mentioned it, the one with Alan Stein Mm -hmm. on Ed Milet. So one of the things that I've got, he says is uh, focus on the behavior, not the goal. That's it. You got to do. So basically like a GPS, if you know where you're going, you get the directions and then you just do the direction. You don't care about where you're going. You just focus on, okay, turn left here then I'll turn right. Yeah. And that's all subconscious programming. I mean, your subconscious is developed by the things that you hear, see, the things that you read and the people that you're around. And so it's constantly putting really strong affirmations in your head. It's constantly being around really positive, really proactive people. It's reading all really great stuff. You know, reading is the plunger that plunges out all the social media garbage and all the other nonsense that gets poured into our face every single day. And uh, you start working on that over time. It just, it starts really making an impact and really making a difference. And uh, it's so powerful. It's absolutely incredible. And then your subconscious affects your behavior. And, exactly. and that's what we do every day. That's that's the thing that lets us go out and take charge and, and go out and find uh, $100,000 worth of deals. And by the way, you've done this all just you. Yeah. So, right? Yep. So give me, give me your daily schedule. So try to wake up by 6. I've tried by 5. It's kind of early. I'm still sure. trying to get in that process. Journal. Get the mind right. Don't touch the phone for the first hour. Game plan, kind of things like that. And then from there, I try to hit the gym by 7, come back maybe around 8, not hopefully not 8.30. And then from 9 to 12, I would say is lead generation. That's where you hunt. That's where you make the future deals come, if that makes sense. Yeah. So for right now, that's mainly talking to agents. I've pivoted, I think, halfway through the year to more MLS just because things changed. I don't know if you... You've obviously noticed when uh, I think during the summer, buyers started to you know kind of shake a little bit. So June fifteenth, the whole business yeah. changed. Yep. And then from there, I would say you know fifteen twenty minutes for lunch. You don't need that much for lunch. I would say at twelve, and then from one to one to three, follow up. Yep. Three to four, go outside, not be in the house all day, get some fresh air, and then four to seven, follow ups, and then from seven to eight, clean up, and then try to sleep by ten. Awesome. And appointments and everything in the afternoon. Yep. Yeah. And I've actually tried to leverage other people and try to make it as virtual as possible, if that makes sense. So if I need pictures or anything, I call agents. Can you give me pictures? Essentially doing that. So when you're talking to these agents, 
Tell me how, how it's been different for you. What have you learned is different about reaching out to agents as opposed to reaching out to re- just to the property owner? That's a good point. So there's pros and cons. The pros is they're, um, they're not the seller. So you're kind of playing phone. Uh, there's a game when you pass on a message in a circle and then at the end that person get hears something else that yep. you didn't even say. I don't yep. know if that game is called, but yeah. So that's telephone. the um, telephone. <laughs> yeah. So they're representing somebody. So they're not going to make the final decision if that makes sense. But at least they'll. you always have their number. That's the one good thing you have is public. Everything is public. For the homeowner, I, I think for the, the other side, you potentially can make a lot more when you're dealing with homeowners. But with agents, there's, I would say the biggest thing I just, just came to my mind is future opportunities. Yeah. Once you do a deal with the sellers, typically that's, you know, is, is done with. But with agents, you can have more, you know, they can send you off market deals. Love it. What about proof of funds? What about bigger earnest deposits? What about, hey, what properties do you own? Are they grilling you more? Are they intimidating? Are they more aggressive with their questions? Uh, I would say they're more direct, but it's a mindset thing. I mean, I would say most of them are pretty nice, reasonable. And if you have the confidence, if you have the, I've done deals before, I know what this is, they don't really ask too much. And then for proof of funds, you can always leverage other people, some lenders, you know, you can always, that's why you try to do um, squatting up. If you squat up the proof of funds, that's not an issue usually. I love it. You know, you, you mentioned something there, and I think that's really important. When you're going after on-market deals, whenever you're looking at a property, whenever you're having a conversation with an agent or a property owner, we're trying to find those four pillars, right? The condition of the property, their timeline to sell that property, their motivation to sell it, and their price. Well, you've got three out of the four of them, maybe even four out of the four of them before you even pick up the phone with on-market deals, right? They'll literally tell you the motivation. Mm -hmm. Must sell, send in offers, you know, OBO type of thing, right? And so the only difference is you've got competition, Mm -hmm. right? You've got competition with, if they put it at a price that'll cause it to get a lot of offers, now you're negotiating with a lot of people. The more people you're negotiating, the thinner your deal's going to be. Okay. So that's why if you're going after on market deals that are sitting there for a while, it's obviously overpriced because everybody that's looking, every buyer that's looking in that area has passed on it at that price. So you have to get it significantly lower, but it's great opportunities. It's a great hunting ground to go after these really good opportunities because you know all of the things. You don't have to pre-qualify them like you would just reaching out to a property owner cold. Now, when you reach out directly to the property owner, you have the opportunity to get really big deals because you know there's no other competition. You're just talking to them. You're reaching out. You're building that relationship, and and they they sell you the deal. And there's a lot of value, or at least perceived value from a cash buyer standpoint when nobody else knows about a deal because it's not mm-hmm. listed, but you're bringing it to them. Right. They're like, oh, that's great. It that's hasn't been deal. listed. This is fantastic. It's going to help with the appraisal down the line. Right. It's going to help me to lock up this deal that nobody knows about. And I can tell people about it at barbecues that I got yep. this property off market and I got this guy, Salim, that's like my guy that hooks me up, right. right? All of these things are benefits for off market. So there's two strategies there. The point is this, be proactive and talk to either a bunch of agents every day or a bunch of homeowners every day and you can't lose. It's right. still talking to people. Yep. Would you agree? Yep. And I do both too. Cause I think 
about half of my deals are sellers and then half of my deals are agents. It's just, you know, with this crazy change this year, I just pivoted a little bit more to agents. But I still plan on going hard with the seller side next year, especially driving for dollars. Yep. I have to go crazy. That's all I can say. Well, you know what time it is, Salim. It's time to break down a deal. Yes, Let's sir. put you in the hot seat. I want to know how you found it. I want to know your emotions going through it. I want to know the ups, the downs. Let's break a deal down. Sure. So should I say the address? I mean, at this point, it doesn't matter. But I mean, I would just give the I wouldn't the give street. the number. I would just say yeah. the the street name. So it's on Alabama Avenue. It's uh, here in Southeast D.C., our nation's capital. Um, actually added it on driving on deal machine. I did the pin thing, if that makes sense. I didn't actually go there. I virtually right. did. So I found homeowners that owned it for, I think, 20 plus years. So I just started everybody on the, on the street, called the homeowner. She was in probate. I think I followed up maybe six months to a year-ish of consistent follow-up. Yep. Got it. And the issue was she had a tenant inside. And that's in D.C. It's uh, a landlord-friendly uh, state or what you call it. And it could take up to a year for you to get the tenants sure. out. So it's uh, obviously most of the buyers, once I got it under contract, you know, working around the tenant, that was so annoying. You know, I had to be super nice. What time works for you? Tomorrow, okay. Then she texts me the day before. Actually, tomorrow doesn't work for me. I'm like, okay, this is crazy. I finally got them inside. They all were interested. Obviously, the tenant was the main issue. They're like, tell me when the tenant is out. And here's the crazy part. If the tenant was out, it would have been easily $100,000 or more. Mm. If the tenant- Yeah, big deal. Well, tell me, well, give me, so they have a tenant in there. Are the, is the tenant not paying? No, the tenant is paying. It's Section 8. Okay. Um, but she did tell the homeowner, the homeowner told her, hey, I'm looking to sell. Are you going to yeah. buy it or are you going to move? She said, I'm going to move. But then a year later, she still didn't move. So that was the main, that was the issue with her. Got it. Yeah. So was the tenant moving out when you got it under contract? Were they planning on moving it out or were they going to stay in there? No, no, no. She said she's plans on moving it out. The issue was she was waiting for new vouchers because she's section eight. I think they're covering everything. Sure. She said, once I get the new voucher, then I can go to the next place and move out. But with vouchers, there's no specific date. And with the COVID, everything was piled up. Yeah. So the fact that she kind of applied late, she's at the end of the line, if that makes sense. Yep. Makes total sense. Yep. And then, so how was the condition of the property? Condition? I would say- Decent shape, right? Uh, <laughs> I would say original. I mean, it, I wouldn't call it livable, but you know, it's crazy being in real estate. The way some of the people live, I'm just, it's crazy. From the outside, it does not look too bad. Sure. It's just like, this is a regular, you know, outdated house. You go inside, there's just junk everywhere. Bathroom is dirty. I'm like, this is crazy. And then I'm thinking, this is the nation's capital. Like a couple miles away, that's where the president lives. So I'm yeah. just, a lot of things are going in my mind. I'm just, this is crazy. But I would say it needs a full gut if you want to get it to sure. our 2022 standard. Yeah. Original condition needs everything. I mean, everything works, but it just, I would say a full gut. And so what price did the seller want? So originally she wanted 300000 with the tenant. So after back and forth, she said she had somebody that was actually willing to buy from her. I was like, with the tenant, that's a great price. Go for it. Followed up. Obviously, that didn't work out. So I got it at two fifty. Two hundred fifty thousand. Love it. And yep. 
once you got it under 250000 how did you sell it? That's a great question. I didn't sell it the net, the normal way. So I tried to reach out to the same buyers. I even reached out to, you know, Astro Flippers, people that actually do a lot of buyers. Even those buyers, they didn't want to buy with the tenant. The tenant was killing us. So I'm like, what options do I have? Agents. Let me talk to an agent. So I knew this one agent who's very wholesale friendly. She said she'll list it for 1% or whatever. She's really cool. She She's one of the few agents that actually has good things to say about wholesalers, which is sure. very funny. Um, so I reached out to her. I was like, so this is the situation. Can you list it? I talked to the homeowner. I said, hey, I basically said I need some partners. I need some lenders, just some things that I need. And I need to list it. You know, with the tenant, that's the main issue. I told you if it wasn't with the tenant, it would have been done deal. So she listed it. She listed it with the, I listed it with the agent on Tuesday, I think. Got a buyer Wednesday. And what did you list it for? And what did you sell it for? Uh, so listed it, I think it was three, 330. We sold it for 310. Uh, the agent got 10K. I got 54K. Come on. 54,000. Yeah. Real quick. So on that driving for dollars, you picked up the phone and called that owner? Mm-hmm. Yep. Just, just a picked call. up the phone. Just made a quick call. Had yep. a good conversation with him and made $54,000. Yes, sir. Okay. Just bottom line. Come on. Here we go. <laughs> yeah. Let's go. That is a massive deal. I've never seen a check that big. I How did that feel? That felt crazy. I still have a video. I took a pictures with the uh, with the title people. I was just, I brought my cousin. I was just, I've never seen a check that big. It's crazy. 54,000. When that goes into your account, your brain breaks. Yeah. Your I'm brain just, breaks. Yeah. I'm just telling you, if you've never had that kind of income and you've never gotten paid one time, boom, just like that, you're just like, this is incredible. And then you start thinking bigger. I love it. Yeah. I absolutely love it. What was the language that you spoke before you moved here? Uh, Oromo. Afan Oromo. Oromo. That's Oromo. it. And now you are closing deals. 54. We wanted to give a shout out to that, by the way. That's why we're, we're putting Oromo the people, shout out. Yes, sir. That's right. That's right. And so, I, I mean, it's absolutely incredible from not speaking English, speaking Oromo to learning English to not really, you know, school wasn't your thing and then yep. bouncing around and then closing a $54,000 deal from one conversation. You did that from your ability to communicate. Yep. You and you couldn't that. even speak the language 16 years ago. Yeah. That's crazy. That's right? crazy. Yeah. That is absolutely, I mean, it's incredible. I mean, it's just absolutely incredible. Your story. I think it, it, there's just so many layers of inspiration there. And um, if people aren't pumped up listening to this and getting excited to get on the phones or or go out there and take whatever action that they want to take, whether it be calling agents or whether it be calling property owners or knocking doors or whatever it is, I don't mm-hmm. think anything will. So, right. um, and to absolutely. add to your point, when you were saying about like the victim mentality, Major announcement. I mean, if you live in America, there's really no way. If you're broke, it's your fault. Just to be respectfully, it's like you have every opportunity. There's people, there are homeowners. There are like a lot of investors that own multiple homes and they barely speak English. I'm just like, this is crazy. So stop worrying about what you can't control. Everybody has a sad story. Everybody does. There's always somebody in a worse condition than you are. Mm -hmm. And focus on what you can control. That's what you think. And what you do. I love it. How can people get a hold of you? I'm um, on Instagram, on TikTok, Salim underscore REI, actually two underscores. So Salim underscore underscore two REI. Trying to post more. 
I think one of my goals that I really want for next year is uh, help five people close their first wholesale deal. I love it. So if you, you want to will, reach out, I'm sure you will. Guys, yeah. it, reach out to Salim. Be one of those five people that gets your first wholesale deal. That'd be absolutely incredible. We'll bring them all on this podcast and we'll line them all up and do an interview. That'd be fantastic. So what do you see? What's what's the big goal? I mean, you're keeping it lean. You're keeping the money. What's, yep. the, what's the big goal? What does your life look like at 40? You know what I mean? Okay. At uh, 40. That's crazy you say that. I didn't even think that far. I was just about to read to you the goal for next year. Uh, I mean, at 40, I'm not, I would say because of my personality, I don't know if I want a big business, but I do want a lean business that pays for my lifestyle, you know, being with family, traveling. Now with wholesale, now I get to go to see my cousins in Europe and potentially I'm hoping uh, a European team wins so we can go to that country. So, I mean, it's a lot. I would just say for my lifestyle, something lean and something that I'm not invested in as much, you know, something that I have time control. You know, that's the one thing we can't get back is time. So if I do a million, great. But if I can do, let's say half a million, but I get to travel six months out of the year, great. You know, that's me. That's just, you have to know what you want. I'm not into the big, crazy stuff. If it's lean and I can consistently make money, Mm -hmm. I'm cool with that. And also one thing I wanted to ask you is, I I think YouTube is the future. I feel like YouTube is like a rental property that you don't take care of, if that makes sense. And one of your... um. I think she's a TTP student. Lily invests. Uh huh. She's killing it on YouTube. I'm like, yo, blew it up. Blew, yeah, I don't she, know what she's doing. Lily was never in it. I, yeah. I met Lily early on when she was starting, and I reached out to her and we and just talked to her and just you know saw what she was doing. Yeah. And uh, she's done a phenomenal job. I mean, yeah. it's uh, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, she's, That's what I want too. Like YouTube is content is the future. If that makes sense. Well, you got to be loud. You know yeah. what I mean? I love that you you consider a YouTube channel being like a rental property because it is. Mm-hmm. I mean, my YouTube channel is not big at all, but it's, I, I mean, I'll get between four and $6,000 a month from YouTube. They pay right. me to make content. I mean, it's absolutely incredible. And, it, and it's something I love to do anyway. So yeah. I love to be loud. I love being on this. I love sharing the opportunity that wholesaling brings to people's lives. Yep. And I think it's a really, really smart strategy for you. Right. Any advice as far as the content side? Because you're very consistent. But yep. the issue is when you're solo, especially like me and you're like lead generation conference, you're doing everything. Yep. How do you find the time? Now, I guess not find the time, but how do you, you time block like anything else? You time block and you just start documenting your journey and you start going through what you've done. You start breaking down and doing case studies and you start you mm. know, giving instructions on how you did things and and you find your, your audience and right. they, they resonate with you. They either turn you up or they turn you off. <laughs> you need haters. You know, they say haters are your best marketers. There you go. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. So yeah, I encourage you to absolutely start it as soon as possible. And everybody listening and watches should consider it as well. Some people, you know, aren't comfortable with that. That's fine. But it does bring a lot of business to our company from a standpoint of deals, actual deals, people bringing it to me in my market. And it's a great, yeah, it's a great referral source. And then obviously if you build it up to a certain level, YouTube starts paying you, which is cool. I mean, I would yep. love to make money just by talking. That's amazing. That's it. <laughs> well, just, you are making money by just talking. Yeah, just more money. Video. <laughs> yeah, just more passive income. If that makes sense. That's it. 
Yeah, that's it. Well, Salim, thank you for being on here. Incredible story. Thank your parents so much for bringing you over here and uh, inspiring us all and being part of the, the Rhino tribe. You're off and running. You're, you're focused. You're, you're staying lean. Just keep growing it and growing it and growing it. Replace yourself in the next 12 to 18 months and watch your business go absolutely bananas. I appreciate the advice and I appreciate the TTP uh, team. Awesome. Uh, and that's it, guys. One um, tool that he mentioned was Deal Machine. Check out dealmachine.com. Use the coupon code TTP. This is the biggest discount that they give on that. It is an absolute phenomenal tool, especially if you're just getting started out. It, it allows you to go and find the, the most rundown, rough properties in your areas that need the most love and the most investment into them. And it gives you the ability to have all the owner's information so that you can reach out to them and have a good quality conversation. In and if you're interested in joining the most proactive group in real estate investing, it is the Rhino Tribe. It is the TTP family. Go to wholesalinginc.com. Wholesalinginc.com. Check out what it's all about. If it feels good in your gut, sign up for a call. And maybe someday soon, I will be interviewing you on this podcast. And as always, I sign off encouraging you to go out there and talk to people. Love you guys. See ya. Peace. That's all for this episode. Your next step to success is to continue the conversation over at wholesalinginc.com by joining the mailing list as well as get your chance to book a strategy session to learn the systems and become part of the tribe and work personally with one of our amazing coaches. We'll see you next episode with more ways to make you a fortune in wholesaling.